What are you going to do about it, Jesus? That's what they asked him. That afternoon, Jesus had been teaching in the temple courts, John chapter 8 says. And, and as he stood and actually sat on the ground along with those who had gathered around him, this crowd that had gathered to hear him teach and for them to listen, they came and they said, what are you going to do about it, Jesus? They're pushing this, this woman. She was scattily dressed because they caught her in the act. She had been committing adultery with a married man. And they asked him again, Jesus, what are you going to do about this? Because as you know, Jesus, in the law of Moses, it says anyone caught in the act is to be stoned to death. What do you say about it, Jesus? Interestingly, it says that Jesus didn't seem to react immediately. Instead, it was like he looked at the, the ground. And he started to draw, doodle, maybe write. We're not really sure what he wrote, what he was drawing. But he said this. You almost get the, the glimpse that he just sort of looked at the ground at first and just sort of said these words. He who is without sin cast the first stone. That's what he said that day. And then what happened next is pretty remarkable. Because as Jesus continued to draw on the sand, it says that one by one, beginning with the oldest down through the youngest, they dropped their stones and they walked away. Kind of surprising, really. I mean, she had been caught red-handed. She had. There was no denying the fact she was guilty as charged. And, and indeed, the law of Moses did say, be caught in the act of adultery. Yeah, this is a, a sin worthy of, of death. What are you going to do about it, Jesus? What's he going to do about your sin tonight? You know, we, we come to the Lord tonight and we gather and, and sometimes we forget this. You know, Scripture says that, maybe you know this one in Romans where it says, for the wages of sin is, anybody know? Death. Now, if you earn wages, if you, maybe if you have a job and you work a job and, and it comes time to get your paycheck, you don't show up for your paycheck and, and your employer doesn't hand you the paycheck and say, here you go, here's a gift to you. If they said that, you'd be offended. You're like, this is not a gift. I earned this paycheck. Thank you very much. I worked really hard these last two weeks. Thank you very much. This is not a gift. This is my wages. I earned it. Very different, isn't it, than getting a gift. And yet the scripture says that the wages of sin, or the result of sin, or what we earn for being a sinner in any shape or form, and as well as you're saying, well, at least I'm not as bad as some people. Well, hold on here a second. The scripture also says that if, if we keep the whole law and yet stumble in just one little area, James 2 verse 10 says this, we're guilty of breaking all of it. And here's the problem. We got God who is perfect, God who is holy, infinitely perfect in every way. And then there's us. And we come before him in any kind of imperfection. And that gets down to our thoughts, our motives, our actions or inactions. And guess what? We fall short of the glory of God. And the scripture says, the wages of sin is death. We're guilty. Just like David. David had been caught. 
That day when Nathan the prophet comes and confronts him about his sin, sin of adultery, sin of, of deception, sin of, of murder, even killing Uriah, the husband of the woman he slept with. David is convicted of his sin. And he calls out to God. And we get to verse 4 tonight. Read it with me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. See, David realizes there's no weaseling or wiggling out of this. He's not coming to a place of, as it often is with a lot of us, and maybe you've had this happening with your kids, when, when you call them on something and, and you realize, and, and they come to it like, and a lot of times it happens for all of us. We're upset and we feel bad, but why do we feel bad? We feel worse about the fact we got caught than we actually do about the sin. Can you relate to that at all? Because we don't want to give up the sin. It's more convenient that way. Maybe it's an escape for you. Maybe it's something that you enjoy. And you're like, I don't really want to give that up. But you feel guilty and feel upset about the fact you got caught. You know, that's not what we're talking about tonight. God is calling us to a deeper level. And David has come to that grip of realizing that this is serious. Sin is serious stuff. It says, against you, you only have I sinned. You might say, well, wait, what about Bathsheba? He, he committed adultery with her. What about Uriah? He, he had him murdered. I mean, what about all the servants that were involved in the scam to try and cover up this, this major, major blemish on the life of God's people? David is peeling away the layers, and he's beyond all of that because he's not sorry about getting caught. He's truly sorry in contrite of heart, realizing that he's sinned against his almighty God. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you're right in your verdict. You're justified when you're judged. In other words, David says, I deserve death. I, there's no weaseling out anymore for me. I'm worthy of this. I, I earned it. I have the wages that I deserve. I deserve the worst judgment from God. And while that's a dark, ugly place, what are you going to do about that, Jesus? What are you going to do about it, Jesus? What do you say about that, Jesus? You know, that day when they brought the woman before Jesus and they asked that question, and, and as he's doodling in the sand, a lot of people have different ideas of maybe what Jesus was writing in the sand. Um, some have thought that, that maybe what he was doing was he would look up at an individual, and he probably started with the oldest one there first, looked them in the eye, and then wrote in the sand as he read their heart, and he knew their sin, he knew their brokenness, he knew what their struggle was, and what desire had given way in their life, and maybe he drew that out and wrote it out. Maybe he wrote a word. Maybe he wrote pride. Maybe he looked at the next one, and maybe he wrote lust. Maybe he wrote greed for someone else. That's one thought. Uh, I've heard another intriguing idea I thought was kind of catchy is Jesus knew the hearts of those there as well. And could it be that while they were accusing this woman of adultery, that they had caught her red-handed, could it be Jesus looked them each in the eye and he knew their history? 
He knew their lustful thoughts. He knew when they had crossed a line in their life. And could it be Jesus wrote a name in the sand? You remember when you had those thoughts about Margaret? You remember when you thought this about Judy and, and, and went down the line? Remember when you thought this about Mark? Or, you know, the name. Could that be? And then how Jesus says that. Just in the sand without saying a word. He who is without sin, drop, you know, throw the first stone. And one by one, they drop it. And they leave. And then it's just this woman standing there. Most likely crying, weeping. And Jesus still on the ground. And then Jesus says, where have they gone? There's no one here to condemn you. And the woman is blown away. What do you say to that? She doesn't know what to say. And with that, Jesus says, then neither do I condemn you. Now go and sin no more. Oh, man. What a Savior. But some of you are saying, wait a minute, that's not right. Because wait a second, how can... How can he just let that go? If God says that there's got to be a payment for the sin, well, how can he just let her go like that? How can he let all those other people go? Well, the answer is because he's come to do something about it. You've maybe heard this story about this woman in, in California. I've shared this before. It's one of my favorites. I understand it's a true story. This woman had this very fast car. Maybe it was like a Bugatti or something, really fast. Very wealthy woman. She's speeding down the highway in, in California along the coast, going over 100 miles an hour, speeding along like crazy. And she gets pulled over. And by the time the police catch up to her, there's multiple cop cars. They pull her over. They check her record, and it's not good. She's been caught this way multiple times, and this time she's going to go under arrest. They actually put her back in the squad car, take her back to the precinct. After some time, she actually goes before a judge. And of course, she's been caught red-handed. There's no getting past the fact she's guilty. It's very obvious. What is she going to say? <laughs> you got a, ca a car like that, you're going that fast, and you get caught. Guess what? You're guilty. And the judge walks into the courtroom, asks for her plea, and she says, I'm guilty. Guilty as charged. The gavel comes down, and the sentence is announced, and it's a huge, huge fine. She's already spent time in jail, it's going to be a huge, huge fine. And that day, something incredible happened. The story goes, is the judge actually stood up, took off his robe, and he walked down out of the judging stand, he walked around, walked to the front, and took a place right next to the woman, and then did the unexpected. He took his wallet out, and he actually took out cash, for the amount of the sentence that had just been taken down or put down on her. And he plopped it down next to her. She was free. Now the question is, why did he do that? And the answer is, anybody know? If you said it was her father, you would be correct. Now, they tell me that's a true story, and it's one of those, if it's not a true story, it should be, right? Yeah? Because it preaches really well. <laughs> it does. Because that really is our story. I mean, justice had to be served. A payment 
for sin or breaking the law had to occur you know in the economy of God because he's a just God something had to be done about our our guilty plea today and he's done something about it the wages of sin is death the result is death well guess what God's willing to do he comes into the picture of our humanity into the brokenness and the pain and he becomes that payment that's really what the cross is all about It's a legal transaction that resolves the guilt and the shame of sin in our life and sets us free tonight. What are you going to do about this, Jesus? And he answers, he says, I have done something about it. Don't miss it. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for being a God who's willing to resolve the tension, to resolve the need for justice in our guilty plea here among you Lord we are guilty as charged but you are a God who takes that guilt and you actually pay for it so that we truly can be free Lord thank you for that gift it would cost you more than just a few few dollars it would cost you your life and we praise you that you're willing to go that path for us we praise you Jesus in your presence here tonight in the stillness of this time as you live now and always. Amen.